I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 147. Okay, so just to jump right in a little bit on the story that I did last week on the shitty shit brothers that killed all those people and took them to the ATMs. And then ran them over? Yes. So we got an email from Christy E. And I just want to read it really quickly. She says, Hey girls, a longtime banker listening to episode 146, The Wichita Massacre. I wanted to confirm that there is a daily limit for withdrawals across the national ATM network. It varies per bank, but most are $250 to $300 for cash withdrawals per account though some people individually have higher withdrawal limits. Separate from that, each debit card has a daily store purchase limit of usually about $15 to $2,000. Hope that clears it up if you wanted to know. So, I was right, tally for fucking carry, on there being a limit of how much you can withdraw. So, Well, I knew that, but mine's higher than that. Cause, uh, okay, high roller. Uh, no, because, well, does that count if it's an ATM at a casino? Because my tired. <laughs> You've withdrawn more than $500 at a casino? Um, I, I need an answer. <laughs> I mean, maybe my friend has. <laughs> and by friend, you mean? My mama. R.I.P. Patty. Uh, you just threw your dead mama under the bus. Well, she's ashes. It won't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> my motherfucker did get me to put money out, too. She'd be like, are you getting money out? $100. I'll pay you back. Okay, but like really and truly, you got more than $500 out at a time? Mm, maybe not at a time, but there should be a, I thought it was a limit. How do you think? I don't know. That's what that said. It was a daily yeah, yeah, limit. Yeah. yeah, but that just seems like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Maybe it's because maybe the casinos have it set up to where they're like a store. So maybe. you can get more. You know what I mean? Yeah, Maybe. Okay, well, another listener, I love that this, like, spurred such conversation. So, another listener, Laura, in the Creepinati Facebook group. So, plug, if you're in Patreon, you get a separate Facebook group with us, just members of Patreon. Anyway, so she works in the fraud department at a bank. And she talked a little bit about how she had heard typing your pen in backwards would, like, set off the alarms type thing. But that's a myth. And... The Federal Trade Commission did a study that they were supposed to have presented to Congress in 2010 that was studying the feasibility and the cost effectiveness of like emergency PIN numbers and having like a panic button on ATMs and basically how many crimes at ATMs there are and how cost effective it would be, yada, yada, yada. But of course, they haven't presented anything. On the flip side of that, Banks' arguments are they don't want to get involved with, like, panic buttons because it becomes a liability for them. So they do, like, the die packets and all of that with like and, like, the silent alarms for their tellers whenever they get robbed or whatever. But they don't want the liability on them if they, again, sound the alarm and somebody gets hurt, which I can, from a business perspective, I can totally understand but it really shouldn't, which, again, we're litigious, and so well, but people that's would like, sue them. Well, but that's also like, well, why have security cameras then? Why waste any money then if that's the case, if it's... Well, because those are, like, to catch later, not to stop, yeah. if that makes sense. Whereas those other measures would be, like, in the act 
stop it from happening or getting worse. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so there's a liability aspect of a hostage situation or them freaking out because they see you typing in something or hitting the panic button yeah. or whatever, you know? If it comes to that, I'd be like, uh, I'd be like, I wait my liability right here. Well, I like, just, I mean, this is my fucking life. Can I please alert the fucking police? I just wish that there was a way like every account, this is in my brain. This is how we solve this. Every account has two pins. Now, people can't remember one fucking pin, and that's your own... If you can't remember your own pin, that's your own shit. But if you... You can have your emergency pin that if you type in this number on your ATM, shit's going down, and it will alert. Yeah. And they can pull up the camera, whatever. Even if it's to your emergency contact that you put down. Yeah. Like, that way... It's not the police. It would be you. You know what I mean? You'd be like, what the fuck? You know? Damn, Donna typed in her thing. Shit, let me do my find the friend. Mm-hmm. And, okay, something's going down. Let me call. You know what I mean? Right. At, at least it would be like, this is the bank that they were at. This is this. It would be something. This is the time that they were there. Yeah. I mean, again, it all takes money, and people aren't going to spend money on that kind of stuff. It's because- a fucking pin number, though. I know. I feel like that that's just like a some switch that some person that's really good at code could just be like, and flip on. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's not. I understand code and all that's way more complicated than that. Yeah. Well, I don't, but I understand that I don't understand because it's way more complicated. Yeah. But again, it's fucking people's lives. You know, like, I don't know. We all know that this shit happens. How many times mm-hmm. is it like they went to the ATM, you know, blah, 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 blah. And how think about like, Because, I mean, if you think about the grand scheme of things and how many ATMs there are and the percentage of people who are using each one of those ATMs, it's really being, like, forced to use it. It's, like, probably, like, point zero 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 one, Right. But, I mean, there's, like, entire shows now, like, See No Evil and all of that. And it's, like, you're using these security cameras and all of that on these ATMs. And, oh, here they are pulling up to the ATM and using it, like... You know, it happens, though. Yeah. I mean, I think we just, like, helped some bank. Wells Fargo. I mean, they've been getting some bad fucking press with all that shit with their overcharging mortgage shit. I mean, so you're fucking (laughs) welcome. Really. Oh, God. And you know who else is welcome to the Creepinati? Oh, God. Patrioters! (laughs) Oh, my God. Look... My transitions are so on point. So smooth. No other journalistic talent. Okay. (laughs) So thank you so much, Claire D. from Michigan. Maria L. from Wisconsin. Courtney B. from Maryland. Jennifer W. from Arkansas. Oh, Sosha C. from across the pond in England. Okay. Candace H. from Arizona. (laughs) Farrah Y. from Pennsylvania. And Zoe L. from Ireland. I can't do that one. I mean, I can't do the England one either. (laughs) Okay, I was about to say, um, okay. (laughs) Thank y'all so much for your support. We hope y'all are enjoying your stay at the Creepinati. Oh, okay. Well, since they're welcome to the Creepinati. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, enjoy your stay. Comes with a continental breakfast, apparently. That would get Carrie every fucking time. I mean, if it has a waffle maker, I'm fucking there. 
No, those pancake makers, girl. Mm-mm. Waffle makers. Mm-mm. Okay. <laughs> we never agree on anything. <laughs> like never i mean maybe sometimes no no (laughs) but we can agree that y'all are fucking amazing so thank y'all again and if you want to join the creepinati no breakfast included um go on over to patreon.com forward slash the apc podcast well this is not related to our podcast but i have been binging one, and I don't do scripted podcast. It's called Solve, mm-hmm. and it's two seasons. The first season, it's like per episode, one story per episode, and it's kind of like you're the detective. It's based on a true crime, but it's like different. They have one of Alyssa Lamb, you know, that kind you know, like, yeah. so I was like, this is based on her. Like, I know it already, but like, it wasn't. Directly her, you know? Yeah. But that's cool. But then this season, they have, like, three-part stories. Okay. And I don't know. It's pretty good. They have one where I was like, oh, Carrie's going to love this. And it's the girl goes back to Amish country. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Speaking of not that at all, <laughs> did y'all see that fucking Casey Anthony opened a damn private investigator firm? Yes. That, mm. Mm-mm-mm. That, that's literally all you could say, and that's all I had to say yeah. about it, but I just had to say, can you fucking believe it? I mean, the audacity. Yeah. Oh, also, Cobra Kai came out season three, uh, already binged it. I saw that. You still haven't watched Selena, though, have you? Nope. <laughs> I was super excited about it, and I'm like, it's probably everything. like the, like, the... Ah, of it and then you know like yeah i do that like i get so excited about a show and then i'm like i don't even want to watch it now yeah all right well let's get into the stories so the story i'm doing this week was actually recommended by sammy in the creepinati facebook page so this is the story about the no tech family so let's start with the matriarch michelle michelle had a rough upbringing she was raised in small town raymond washington And when she was, like, really young, her mom and dad got divorced, and her dad got custody of the kids. Her mom was an alcoholic, and after they got divorced, just bounced between boyfriend and boyfriend and boyfriend. It said that she was living on Skid Row, which did not know that Washington had a Skid Row. Is that a thing? Does everywhere have a Skid Row? I thought that was, like, just in L.A. Me too. Can we say Skid Row now still? I don't know. Y'all tell us if you can't, but this is what this uh, article had said. But either way, her mom had been jumping between boyfriends in a in this lots of different toxic environments. She was an alcoholic. Her boyfriends were alcoholics. And by the time Michelle was only five years old, her mom's most recent boyfriend actually murdered her. They were living in a hotel room, and they had, from what I understand, had gotten in an altercation, and her mom ended up being murdered. Michelle, who also liked to go by Shelly, blamed her father from then on out. She said that it was her father's fault that if he had never divorced her mom, she would have never had all these boyfriends and she would have never been murdered. Which is not fair at all to her dad because it makes her mom take no responsibility for her substance abuse and her actions and decisions and all of this, all of that because 
it's it's not fair. But a five-year-old who, I mean, I can also see the logic of a five-year-old, you know? Uh, well, she's taking Petty to a whole nother level on that. And that's coming from the queen of Petty right there. Mm-hmm. But also, you're right. It gives her mom, like, the out because she died. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, was murdered. But it gives her, like, hands washed clean. Yeah. Growing up, Shelly was very manipulative. And she could do and get people to do basically whatever she wanted them to do. She would also make up stories. She would accuse people of crimes from stealing from her all the way to raping her. Oh, my gosh. So you can imagine that her life was pretty chaotic. Her home life was chaotic. Even school was chaotic. She hated going. She hated any type of authority figure. Right after high school, she married her high school sweetheart. They had a daughter. I think Nikki was her first daughter. They ended up getting divorced. And then she married another man. And they had her daughter, Sammy. And they end up getting a divorce. So by the time she's 24 years old, she's got two daughters under the age of three. And now she's been divorced twice. But it seemed like being a mom was good for her. She kind of settled down a little bit. There were a few different articles that said different things. One thing said that she became a nurse. Other things I read just said she became a caregiver. So I don't know if she was like a nursing assistant, because it sounded like she cared for people in their homes. So it was almost like she was like a home health aide. I don't know if she like went to nursing school or she was a nursing assistant. Either way, she was a caregiver for people like in their homes. Well, in 1982, Michelle finally meets David Notek. David is 30 years old. He works in construction as a carpenter. And he's actually from the same area in Washington, which is a very small area. But he had actually left for a little while because he was a Vietnam veteran. So he was back and he just felt lonely and he was missing something in his life. Well, David sees Michelle at this bar. And Michelle is very beautiful. She is a fiery redhead that, again, men were just drawn to. She was she was very attractive. So David feels like he won the lottery. She's beautiful. She's affectionate. She has two kids. You know, it's everything he's ever wanted. David was one of those partners, though, that always wanted to please the other. Like, what Michelle said goes. You know, there was there was no give and take in the relationship. He was always trying to please her. They ended up getting married in 1989 and getting a house in Raymond, Washington. David was working construction, like I said, as a carpenter, and Michelle stayed home with the kids. Michelle had control of everything, though. She was the one who controlled the finances and basically gave David an allowance of the money. It was really and truly a form of financial abuse, what she was doing to him. It wasn't long after they got married that Michelle's younger brother, who was in a motorcycle gang, was sent to prison. And her brother had a son named Shane. So it would have been Michelle's nephew. 
Shane's mother had some issues with substance abuse, and so she just wasn't able to take care of him. And with his dad being in prison, he was living with some grandparents. He was getting in trouble. The grandparents really just couldn't take care of him. And so David and Michelle were like, look, just let us have him. We can help him. You know, Shane was very outdoorsy. So was David. They kind of bonded over that. You know, it would be really good for Shane to be around David as a male figure in his life, to have that consistency in his life, all the things, right? Shane moves in and they're having what seems to be a good time. You know, David and him are doing all the outdoorsy shit. And it's not long after that in 1989 that Michelle and David have a daughter of their own named Tori. Now, I'm not really sure about the timeline here because, again, different things, different things, (laughs) different articles, different whatever. But at some point, they move out of this small rental house and buy this larger farm with six acres or something like that with a lot of land and, you know, like a cute little red farmhouse with a white picket fence, like just a cute, like living the Washington dream, you know, I don't know if it's the Washington dream, but it sounded like it. Well, around this time, some stuff says before the move, some stuff said after the move, Michelle's friend, Kathy Loreno, falls down on her luck. So Kathy was kind of on the outs with her family. She had a boyfriend that her parents didn't really approve of. And so she wasn't really talking to her brothers or her parents. She worked as a hairdresser at a salon that Michelle went to, and that's how they knew each other. But Kathy and her boyfriend ended up breaking up, and Michelle was just like a listening ear for her. And then Kathy ended up losing her job as a hairdresser because of like her sales were down. And so now she's has no boyfriend, so she has nowhere to turn with that. She's still in the outs with her family because of the boyfriend. So she's not going to them now, you know. And now she's lost her job. She basically has nowhere to go. And Michelle's like, look, I've got three kids. Four, if you count Shane, the nephew that's staying there. Because he's young too. He's, you know, in his early teens. So why don't you come stay with us? Kind of like a nanny. You can come live here for free. And we'll pay you basically to be the nanny. So that'll give you a little money. You know, a little spending money. And Kathy's like... Absolutely yes, because what the hell else? What other what are her other options? She literally couldn't pay her rent. Well, about two years after living with the family, Michelle said that Kathy had actually fallen in love with this truck driver and that they went off to Hawaii. And basically it was a last-minute decision, and she's still not really that close to her family, so she didn't even tell them. Well, at this point, Kathy's family hadn't heard from her in, like, two or three years. And they're like, well, what do you mean? She just fell in love with some truck driver, and she went to Hawaii? Although, I will say some stuff said California. So her family is like, hmm... That doesn't seem right. So they file a missing persons report. So the Pacific County Sheriff's Department opens up just like a routine investigation. They came to the house and Michelle's like, oh, yeah, Kathy's fine. 
you know, hadn't heard her from her a while. Again, some stuff says California, some stuff says Hawaii, but that, you know, she's out and about with this boyfriend and she had a picture of Kathy standing next to this guy in front of a truck, like an 18 wheeler. So yeah, she's doing pretty great. And police couldn't find any financial records from her. They all stopped in like 1989. Well, this is 1994. Also, in February of 1993, Michelle reported 17-year-old Shane Watson, her nephew, missing. Well, now I feel bad because I thought Shane was going to be the perpetrator. No. So, Shane was reported as a runaway. So... The story that Michelle said was that, because, okay, you remember how much Shane liked outdoors. She said that he had actually gotten a job in Alaska and decided to go to Alaska basically for the summer to fish off a boat. I mean, I guess that's where you always fish, but you get the point. And that was basically the last anyone ever heard anything about Shane. Okay, and I do want to say, the next part I'm going to tell about, the only place I found this was actually in an episode of Snapped. So I'm going to tell it how they told it on Snapped, but this is the only place I found this, so I'm unsure. And also, there were only like two podcasts in English that I found on this story, so I'm not sure. But in the summer of 2001, Michelle's oldest daughter actually called the sheriff's department to say, okay, I actually know what happened to Kathy. She said, I want to tell you, but I am so terrified of my mother. Like, I don't want anything to be recorded. But she said that Michelle tortured and murdered Kathy. So her so-called friend, yeah. she came down on her luck. Yeah. She was the perfect victim because she had no ties. Exactly. And of course, the police are like, wait, what? Because this family from the outside looking in is fucking perfect. Like, I mean, they always are. But like, the kids were well-liked at school. They were always well-dressed. They, you know, they looked like the perfect family. Like, it's even said in this snap thing, like, Michelle was known for being a good Samaritan. And I mean, they took two people into their house. I mean, now the two mm -hmm. people are missing and nobody knows where they are. They wow. went to like Hawaii and Alaska, which, okay, <laughs> could you have picked the most obscure places? Where are they going next? Saskatchewan? Just kidding. That's not that obscure. But it's it's like... What's that other place? Timbuktu. Like, those are like actual places that seem so I, far. When, yeah. when you were a kid, like, those were the places you said, but yeah. they're actually not that far. Well, one, I don't think I've ever said the first one. Saskatchewan? It's in Canada. Well, I know, but I always say it wrong. Oh. I swear to God, I have another syllable on there. I probably am saying it wrong. It's like they only had that one part of the map like the world map that has like Hawaii and Alaska that's yes. like super close, and they're like, Oh, they went there. Yes. Okay, which it with Shane, the Alaska story makes a little more sense because it's like, okay, he was outdoorsy, like it and they're in Washington, stands to reason he went up to Alaska, like Yeah. The outdoorsy shit. Now, with Kathy, I will say some of the stuff did say California, but some stuff said Hawaii. But like, how many are there that many truck drivers that go to a Hawaii? Like, I don't think so. So hopefully it, the story really was California because Hawaii makes no fucking sense. Basically, Michelle's daughter told police her mom is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And that basically Kathy was tortured 
the whole time that she lived there. No. Kathy was forced to crawl around the house nude to do housework. Wow. Well, I mean, that goes into, like, fetish play. No, but this isn't like... No, I know, but, like, again, how you always say, like... What's the line? Yeah. Well, but it's like, when you hear shit like that, it's like, well, that's some people's fetish stuff, and it's not bad. But then where it's like, you hear it with this, and you're like, oh, my gosh. But with the fetish stuff, it's two consenting parties. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And that's the difference. Yeah. Because it's two people who want the same thing. Yes. What the fuck? To to Michelle. Mm -hmm. Like, what the fuck? So... Michelle would starve Kathy. She also beat her mercilessly. And then when she would let her eat, Michelle would fix her like what would be like her favorite meal because it was it was her way of manipulation too because she would like be terrible to her and then be really nice to her to like, again, it was part of the abuse cycle and all of that that kept her there for so many years. So she would fix her something to eat, like, really nice, her favorite meal, blah, blah, blah. And then Kathy would think that she's, like, being really nice to her. And then when she would cut into it, it would be rotten with bugs. <gasps> no. Uh-uh. No. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, one, Michelle, how can you even stomach to do that? Uh-huh. But Kathy would be so hungry she'd eat it. Oh, my God. Bless it. Kathy lost, like, 100 pounds Holy while she was with them. shit. She would, and and the thing is, is that the beatings were not only for Kathy. She beat the girls, the daughters, and Shane. And I'm not really sure, I mean, okay, here's the thing too, though. David was involved, like with the beatings and all. It's said that Michelle's first two marriages ended because of her abuse. So, I mean, it seems like there was a solid five years or so of abuse with David, her basically grooming him before they took people in. Wow. So he was abused to the point where he was so beaten down that he became an abuser. But she would beat them with cords and they would be bruised up like all over the way. Of course, the kids would like wear jeans and long sleeve shirts and all that to school so that nobody would see the bruises. So again, from the outside looking in, they look perfectly fine. Yeah. She would lock them in closets with buckets to use the bathroom in. I mean, I guess at least she even gave them that. But then what she would do is she would make the kids attack Kathy. Of course, because that's another form of control and being like, now you're a bad person. Too. Yeah, now you can't say anything mm-hmm. because you've done it now, too. Mm-hmm. Michelle would make the kids stab Kathy with scissors. What the fuck? Yes. Holy shit. And if you refused, then you would get beaten. And so they would do it because they didn't want to get beaten. But then it was like, then they're hurting Kathy, you know, yeah. which is... I mean, hurting Kathy, but also abusing them because it's... It's a double whammy no matter what. Exactly. It's just like more internal pain for them versus physical Physical. pain. Exactly. Also, though, can we just go back to Kathy losing over 100 pounds? Can you imagine crawling around on your knees and stuff? No. Losing that weight and like... No. 
your knees being like brittle, like brittle. You know yes. what I mean? Like the oh gosh. And yes, I focus on the weirdest shit, but all I can think about is just, you know, when you lose weight, you lose it in the weirdest places, but like your butt bone gets even more like, you know, you don't have as much fat around it and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it's like more ouchy knees too. And then like having the pressure points and nothing there. Yeah. She would make Kathy like sleep outside with I think they had, like, a barn. But basically, like, sleep outside with the animals. Wow. She's, like, making Kathy, like, the Grimm's fairy tale of Cinderella. Yes. Michelle would do this thing called wallowing. And that would be when she would take the girls out. And I'm sure Shane, too, because Shane was in on this as well. She would take them outside in the middle of the night when it's, I'm talking Washington winter. Okay. Make them strip down naked and roll around in the mud while she hosed them off with ice cold water. Oh my gosh. And then even sometimes make them sleep outside naked. Holy fuck. No, like I just got shivers thinking about that. I know. Like, n- no. Then what she would do too, if Michelle found Kathy eating anything, Or just randomly, she would accuse her of binge eating while she was sleepwalking. And she would force her, like, to sleep in the boiler room. I don't really know what that means, but it sounds terrible. It sounds very Freddy Krueger. Oh, my God. Literally what I thought about. But, yes. Well, it's, like, so extreme. Like, you're outside wallowing in fucking mud, ice, and shit like that. Or you're in the boiler room on... I'm guessing the, like, the floor and shit would be super hot. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just like. I don't know. I don't know. And I feel like it's whenever she just fucking wanted to. It's like, oh, Kathy's living. She's breathing. All right. I'm going to fuck with her. Yeah. You know? It's like, what the fuck? Also, I do want to just throw this out there that I'm not really sure that the oldest daughter's name is actually Nikki. Because, again, some stuff calls her different things. But I do think that Sammy and Tori are the correct names for the other two. Just because there's a book by Greg Olson that talks about, like, it's they're involved in it with, like, quotes from them and all of that. So that's why I think that, like, Nikki, it de- quote, air quote, Nikki, like, it doesn't even talk about her age. Whereas the other two, it says how old they're, you know. Yeah. So I think that, anyway. But one time when Sammy got off of the bus... One of the people on the bus saw Kathy outside naked. Well, Michelle, she being like the fucking master manipulator that she is, invites one of Sammy's friends over in the next day or so. And like jokingly tells this like amazing story of how she was in the hot tub and it short circuited. And like she literally had to burn their hot tub to prove this point wow. that it was her naked running from this hot tub wow. so that they wouldn't know that it was Kathy outside working naked. Wow. I feel like she went by Shelly when she had like casseroles to give to her fucking neighbors. Probably. And she was like, oh. <laughs> and here's the thing too, is that that's what she preferred to go by. So it's also a little bit of a fuck you to her mm-hmm. on my end that I'm like, I don't really want to call her that because yeah. that's what she preferred. So David actually helped with like 
They made like waterboarding equipment. Fuck. The other thing that they would do to Kathy is her, like her open wounds where she had from like the beatings and all. They would pour bleach in them. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. But there was one time where Kathy did try to escape. She made it about a quarter of a mile down the road before Michelle called up to her. And, of course, she gave her the things will change, you know. And Kathy's so hungry and so beaten down and so defenseless and so weak that it's all she can do, I'm sure, to even make it that far. Yeah. And so she went back because... She had to. Yeah, I was going to say, honestly, like you said, she probably was doing the most she could do. And Michelle over there could run a fucking marathon because she's, you know, eating like a normal person. Exactly. And not being fucking abused daily. And of course, Michelle's like the whole time telling Kathy, like, your family's not looking for you. They don't love you. They don't care. You know, they don't want you around. Yeah, the classic tactic. Exactly. Man, I hate this bitch. Well... One day in July of 1994, the girls realized that Kathy has, like, collapsed, passed out and collapsed. And David, like, pulls her in. I don't know if she passes out in the laundry room or David pulls her in there. I'm not really sure. But I'm going to go with he pulls her in there. And she's, like, vomiting and passed out. But he's, like, doing, like, CPR on her, basically. She's dying. And... Michelle takes the girls like 50 miles away and they stay the night in this hotel room. And when they come back, they notice that there was a fire outside of their house the next day. Their mom tells them that the story is going to be that Kathy left with a truck driver. Here's some letters. And they told the kids, like, if you say anything, we're going to kill y'all and we're going to kill ourselves. God. Well, as far as Shane goes, he was not, like I said, immune to the abuse. He got it just as bad. In order to humiliate him and her daughters, especially the oldest daughter, Michelle would make them both strip naked and like dance together in the living room. It's just a humiliation tactic. He would have to like work naked and do a lot of the stuff like Kathy would. I mean, that's also sexual for her, too, though, Michelle. Oh, 100%. Like, that's also for her. Because there's other shit that you could put them in that would, you know what I mean? Like, mm. Mm -hmm. Well, remember how I told you, like, at this point, the oldest daughter, we're calling her Nikki. She's telling police, like, all of this. Yeah. And they're like, well, what happened to Shane? She's like, I don't know what happened to Shane. All I know is that... Shane disappeared, and they said he went to Alaska. Like, that's all I fucking know. And she's 21 at this point, and she had ran away from home. And so the police start doing some digging. And, I mean, there's no records of anything to back this up. It's literally just her story. Because there's no records of abuse at the school. There's no nothing. I mean, she even tells a story about how... Like, her mom had, like, pushed one of them into a glass door and, like, cut their face up and, you know, all this stuff. But there's literally no record of it. And so, when they go back to talk to her again, she's gone. Because she had been in hiding, basically, for five years. 
and she had gone back into hiding in Oregon. And so basically at this point, they're taking it as her like refusing to cooperate. And so they're like, okay, well, must not be true. Now, again, that's the only place I've found that one of the daughters like have gone to police before. So by this time, Michelle and David had another house guest. Oh, gosh. Yes. His name is Ron Woodward. I couldn't date him. <laughs> Try it. Ron Woodward. RWs fuck you up so bad. Well, and then, okay, Ron Woodward and Raymond, Wisconsin? Washington. Washington. So Ron was a 57-year-old guy who had just been through this really awful breakup and with his like love of his life, lifelong partner, horrible breakup, and was just having a really hard time. He had lost his job. His home had been repossessed. And here's the thing about Ron. So, okay, he knew Michelle because Michelle had helped take care of his mother. Because remember, caregiver, nursing assistant type thing. Now I'm thinking, can you imagine the shit that she probably did to the patients? Uh, mm, mm-hmm. Like, mm. uh-huh. Okay, sorry. So they had kind of become friends through that. And here's the thing about Ron, though. He's got some sort of issue with socialization. Like, I don't know what it is, but he just can't read people. And, like, he would, like, hide in behind bushes and ditches and, like, jump out to be like, bah, to people, but like, not in like the funny scare and like the, like, what in the fuck are you doing kind of way? Like, yeah, like, like that's bizarre behavior. Yeah. Like what's going on, you know? Well, so he had a lot of run-ins with the law too. Like he had like a domestic violence thing against him. He had some, what are they called? Like restraining orders against him. I'm not saying that, these weren't legitimate because they, I'm sure they were, but I really, it, from what it sounds like, he had some other stuff going on that I, I really just don't think he understood some of the things that he did. Not that it makes it right and not that it makes it not illegal. I don't know. I just, I didn't get the feeling in, you know, the couple of things I listened to and read about him, you know, because that actually paints a full picture of somebody <laughs> that it was, he was bad. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Anyway, well, when police would try to talk to him, like, he would kind of run away, you know, so they were like, was he run away because he has a history of law or is something really going on at the house? They didn't really know. But since Ron wouldn't talk to them, there was nothing they could do to really know, like, what was going on in that house. Well, then, on August 6th of 2003, Sammy came into the police department with her sister, the oldest. Both of them had run away at this point and finally felt brave enough to talk. You know, the oldest had told, had been there two years earlier, had told about the house. And now they're both there saying, okay, we're ready to talk. And we're worried that it might turn on our younger sister at this point. They said that their youngest sister had just told them that Ron had actually just gone missing where'd he go antarctica well michelle said he had met somebody and gone off in california but when tori actually like got in touch with i think nikki allegedly and sammy 
she said that she had like found some bandages and some like clothing of Ron's that had blood on it. So she thought that Ron had been hurt. So that's when they were like, okay, it's, it's time to, we got to do something like this is, this has gone too far. Like we want to make sure you're safe. Like we got to do something. On August 7th, sheriffs go out to the house, but they weren't there to arrest them. They were there to take custody of the youngest daughter. And she was so happy to leave and go with her older sisters. She was 14 at the time, and they said you could just see that she was so relieved to get out of that house. Well, of course, Michelle is like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, why are you taking her? I don't abuse her, you know? Mm-hmm. All the stuff. And she, like, sends David down to the sheriff's station to try to get her back. And so they're like, yeah, we're happy to, you know, help you and get her back, but you got to answer a few questions. Mm-hmm. Because they knew David's it. Like, David is the weakest link in the two. So if they can get him talking, they've got her, right? So they get David into an interrogation room and they tell him, look, this is what the kids have said. And he said, well, Kathy died because she like slipped and fell in the shower. And David's like, I mean, yeah, Michelle tried to cover it up. Like she made me burn the body. But he ended up saying that he dumped Kathy's ashes in the ocean And he said, like, because he likes to serve, he would go and, like, take a couple of buckets at a time with him to dispose it. And then when they asked, well, what happened to Ron? He was like, well, he's dead, but I didn't burn him. And they're like, well, why didn't you burn Ron? Yeah. And and he goes, burn ban. (gasps) No. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Which means he was still on the property. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Gosh. Whoa. So, of course, police are like, uh, BRB, we got to go look for this body. So, between the stuff that David had told them, the stuff that the daughters had told them, they had enough to get all the things. When police went and investigated, they did find Ron's body buried on the property. They found him in a sleeping bag, and that sleeping bag was wrapped in black plastic garbage bags. They were having a hard time finding Kathy's body, so David, like, narrowed the search area down for them, but they really only found a piece of bone that was, like, the size of a quarter. Then they, when they were out and about on the property, he stopped by this shed and pointed and said, that's where I killed Shane. What the fuck? So, what he told police... So, just to make a long story short, what he told police was that Shane had a gun, and so when he was, like, trying to take it away from Shane, it fired and it shot Shane, because Shane was, like, trying to kill himself, and so David ended up getting second-degree murder because of that. Shaking my head, because what the fuck... He said that he he did burn Shane's body in the backyard, but it's not very clear like where he took. I I don't really get it honestly because I was like one thing said that they dumped the body. I'm not really sure. Okay, so Ron's autopsy really didn't show much of anything. They were able to say that the circumstances were murder, but they weren't able to say specifically the cause of death. Because of, like, decomposition and so forth and so on. They just couldn't narrow it down. 
One podcast I listened to, though, I do want to say this, said that they forced Shane to help burn and get rid of Kathy's body. And he had actually taken pictures of it so that he could give to police. Wow. And I think that it was Sammy. I'm not sure. But I think that it was Sammy who found those pictures and actually told her mom about them. And that that's like what got Shane in trouble. And that might be why they killed Shane. So I don't know if Shane had like gotten in trouble and maybe David's story is true. He was going to kill himself because he had gotten in trouble for having the pictures. I don't know. I doubt it. They murdered him in cold blood, I'm sure. But Shane was like always looking for a way out. He was a fucking fighter. How fucking smart is he? Like, let me take pictures of this so that I can prove, you know, because Michelle and Shane's bodies were like burned and they had didn't have ashes. They basically couldn't prove it. Again, long story short, with David's story, David pled guilty to second degree murder and basically got like 15 years in prison. And he's out. He got out in like 2016, I think. And then Michelle took an Alfred plea meaning that she's not admitting that she's guilty, but she's recognizing that the state had enough evidence to convict her, but she's not saying that she's guilty of second-degree murder. And she was sentenced to 22 years in prison. And she is eligible for release in 2022 after 18 years. 2022? Next year. What the fuck? Yep. 2022, and she was a fucking torturer Mm -hmm. to so many people Uh manipulated so many more Mm -hmm. oh you know one part i didn't tell oh my god i can't believe i didn't tell this part i cannot believe i forgot to tell you this okay so towards the end michelle was caring for this guy named james mcclintock not to be confused with the john wayne yes okay so look she's like, some of his neighbors heard her yelling at him oh, sometimes. Ugh. Like, she's a complete shit. I knew it. I knew she would be horrible to her patients. Well, one day, he quote-unquote fell, and she called 911, and he died from it. Basically, he died from, like, a subdural hematoma. So, could he really die from a fall, like, hitting his head on something? Yes. But... Are some people calling it mysterious circumstances? Yes. Because she had only been working for him for like six months, right? Mm-hmm. We also know that some of the neighbors had heard her like, you know, yelling at him. Well, in his will, when he died, she got custody of his dog, Sissy. No. No. Carrie. Well, this for this dog, she got like a a pretty big allowance to take care of it. And then in the event of Sissy's death, she would get his full estate, which was close to $140,000 like for his house. Wow. Well, of course, not long after he dies, she says the dog dies. Of course. Oh my god. So she's got to take his land, you know, all his money and shit. But when they, like, raided their house and stuff, Michelle and David had a bird, a rabbit, 
four kittens and six dogs, and one of the dogs was Sissy. Okay, good. Whew. I mean, again, of course, she manipulated people and and lied, but thank God she didn't kill Sissy. But I wonder, did she really kill him? And I wonder how many of her other patients she swindled out of money and how many of them she was mean to. Yeah. Oh, I'm a lot. Such a vulnerable population. And so, oh gosh. You know, and her daughter, Sammy, especially through this book, has really tried to come out and be like, look, she's potentially about to get out of prison next year. People need to know how manipulative she is. Like, like I'm talking, she like faked cancer one time and like shaved her eyebrows off. Oh my God. What in the DD? Yes. Like she's apparently gotten into some really bad trouble in prison. Like she has to be on her own cell by herself because she's like so manipulative with the women and all that she's like getting in trouble, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, girl didn't learn her, her shit. No, she needs to be behind bars. Forever. Forever. I just, I just feel like there was more ways to convict. Like, how could they have not gone after her for the child abuse for the youngest? Right. Okay, maybe it was a statute of limitations on the oldest. But the youngest, if they're taking her away, like, how can they have not gone after that? Yeah. Wow. Like, there has to have been some other things they could have charged her with. But she took a fucking Alfred plea. Yeah. And she did try to appeal it and all this other shit. But of course know. she did. Of course she did. Ugh. Yeah, she's a pretty pretty much a shit human. She really is in disguise as a charitable human, you know, there for everyone. Mm-hmm. Opens Pillar, up home. Yeah, pillars uh-huh. of the community. Oh, my gosh. Well, this story pissed me right the fuck off. I knew it would. All right. Well, there's no one that you can really hate in my story. I mean, there's people that you will dislike, but. There's no Michelle. Right. Well, yeah, there's no, yeah, Michelle. I'm, I was going to say Shelly, but we don't call her Shelly. Yeah. Sticking it to the fucking man. I'm a rebel without a cause. Oh, God. Meanwhile, I would probably totally be one of the people that she would manipulate in jail. You know? Oh, definitely me. She would run all over me in jail, I'm sure. Yeah, me too. I'd be like on JPay talking to you and be like, oh my God, my best friend Shelly, let me tell you all about her. And you're gonna be like, I hate this bitch. And I'll be like, Carrie, you don't know her. Shelly and I, she looks out for me in here. Donna, you lost a lot of weight. Look, Shelly has me on this diet. It's really strict. <laughs> and she said this food's not good for me, but like she has this really good immune system and so she can eat it. Yeah. So, but like, I'm doing really good. <laughs> Next week. I was hospitalized, but it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Shelly was there for me all the time. She took all my drugs for me. And <laughs> we're like, mm. But then if you asked me next week, I'd be like, there is no way that Michelle would ever trick me in prison. <laughs> right. If she really is adaptable, she would trick me. But if she's only got like that one con, mm-hmm. no. But like... You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Like, you have to be able to, like, mold and, like, kind of zigzag. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Then I'll be like, no, that's really her, whatever. But if she's, like, Shelly homemaker, oh, my God, this is amazing. Then I'm going to be like, like, we're we're not friends. Well, just like Dominique. um, I feel like uh, Raymond's his first name, but I could be thinking that because of the town. But the Bayou Strangler, Mm -hmm. the Blue Bayou guy, I mean, he adapted. Like, he was able to get 
men who were straight, who were gay, who Mm -hmm. were on drugs, who weren't on drugs, who were homeless, who weren't homeless, all these different things because he was able to adapt his strategy. Yeah. Well, I didn't manipulate y'all because I am doing the Baker Hotel, like I mentioned in the story last week. So this time I'm going to do a little more history on Mineral Wells, Texas, because that is why the hotel was built after all. And there's some country song that basically lists things that happen, and it's like all because two people fell in love. Mm -hmm. And that's basically how Mineral Wells, Texas, became what it did. In 1877, there was this married couple, James and Armanda Lynch, who settled with their children on some land that was in a drier climate than what they had lived in before. And they left because they needed some relief from the malaria that had been plaguing that area. Okay, that was a rhyme. I even know that was a rhyme. Damn, right? Everything was fine for a while. They had their oxen that they had brought with them when they settled. Everything. But with a family and livestock, they needed water and lots of it. And that meant that they had to haul water that was located four miles away from them in the Brazos River. Um, That just reminded me of part of my story I forgot to tell. Okay. She would keep them in a fucking well. Like a, hey, Lassie, Timmy's in the well, you said? Oh, my God. In a fucking well. I love that the Brazos River is the one that triggered it, not Mineral Wells, Texas. That didn't trigger it. Well, you know what? I was just thinking water. You know what? Get the fuck up out of here. Oh my Can God. you believe it? She keep them in a fucking well. What the ring is happening? What in the claustrophobia? You can't get out of that. No. Okay, sorry. That just dawned on me. Not even Rapunzel could throw her hair up that high. It puts the lotion in the basket. She had to wait till she got on fucking Grey's Anatomy to get out of that. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) No one gets a reference. No, I know. (laughs) You made yourself snort. It's fucking funny. Fucking funny. Okay, I won't interrupt you anymore, I think. (laughs) Okay, so Shelly and the well, that was a lot. But obviously, (laughs) um, them having to walk back and forth four miles, that was fucking tiring. So in 1880, they were like, fuck this shit. So they bartered with a guy, and his name's Johnny Adams, who was a well driller, So they were like, hey, here's some oxen, drill us a well. And he did. However, James and Armando were kind of hesitant to let their family drink the water because it had a funny taste to it. So they were like, you know, this might be poisoned. And not really by Johnny Adams, but like by, you know, nature. Like just, it tasted weird. It's, they don't know really where it's from. Like, I don't know. It was just like, I don't know. But, I mean, Mother Nature can be a bitch. You never know. Uh But, basically, the four miles grew more tiring, and they weren't getting sick from the little bit of well water they were drinking. So, they were like, look, if we die, we die. Like, we're not walking the four miles every fucking day. Like, this is what we're doing. And they didn't die. In fact, they were healthier. Armanda suffered from rheumatism, and that was cured. 
quote unquote, cured. James had always been kind of on the side of quote unquote, too thin. And he had just got more frail, more frail than he should have been for a ranch man. And so that, you know what I mean? Like, that's just what it was. I don't know. He wasn't strong enough, all the things. But he actually began to be able to put on weight and keep it on. And it wasn't, you know, some people just can't keep weight on. Right. I mean, also, do we know how old he was? Because he may have gotten to the age where he actually was able to keep weight on, you know? Yeah, I, I don't know. He grew stronger. The kids, they perked up. Everyone was in a better mood. Things were better than ever. Well, the family's good news spread throughout the area, and people began wanting to try this water. Within a month, the Lynch Ranch was selling a quart of water for five cents. But that well was just built for family use, so the supply couldn't keep up with the demand. He was only able to produce around 100 gallons daily. So what James would do would have the guests swear and sign a document declaring that they were sick, like their ailment, and that they needed the water. Because he, they really believed that this is healing waters. Like, hey, this worked for us. And again, they had, they had results. Because of all the popularity, the town of Mineral Wells was laid out in 1881, and James Lynch became the first mayor. And he was self-appointed, by the way. Uh, I would imagine so. Right. Well, more and more people came, and so more wells were dug for the demand. The most famous well is the Crazy Well, and it produces, quote, crazy water. It's got its name because there was this elderly lady who, she suffered from dementia, and she would sit by this well all day. And she would ask people who passed by, like, hey, will you, will you give me some of that water? Like, can you pay for me some water? You know, whatever. And they said at least twice a day she would drink some of this water. Well, before long, she did have results. They were positive. And so people saw, like, oh, wait. Like, she's less crazy. Like, the crazy lady is not crazy anymore. Like, she now has a life. She is doing stuff. Like, she's not here. What the fuck? So they're like, uh, we want the crazy water. And thus, there it is. Very problematically named. Mm-hmm. And before you roll your eyes, the water had high amounts of lithium in it. <laughs> so we know that is used to treat mental illnesses and stuff. Yeah. So it really probably, like, worked. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it worked. The water did work. It just... It worked because of a different reason. You know what I mean? It just wasn't like, this water will cure everything. It's like, no, no, no. It worked for her because of this. Yes. Like, it won't cure your, like, broken finger. It'll help with your psychosis. Yeah. But can you imagine how, like, amazing that would be, though, if you were, like, in that state of, I mean, I know I've been there. I think you've been there of, like, depression and stuff, or you just want to sit. You don't want to do anything. You don't want to, like, whatever. And then you just keep drinking, or you keep doing something that's essential anyway. Mm-hmm. And you get better. And it's like, wait, what? Oh, wait, I'm good. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. And it's like 1881. Yeah, you're like, damn, this shit worked. Yeah. Like, I have no idea. I'll tell you, I okay, this was like 7th or 8th grade. My sister-in-law at the time, she had like this book of witchcraft things. I don't even know. We were very cool, you know. 
And it also scared me, but I loved it. But I had a sty in my eye. I was like, let me consult the book. And I looked and it said to rub your cat's tail on your eye. Three times. Three times. I rubbed Ambrosius, my cat, his tail on my eye. Across your eye. It was gone. It was gone. You know what? You know what? Y'all know I don't (laughs) like a fucking cat. Y'all know I don't like a fucking cat. But I will say that one time when I was in high school, I had a fucking style in my eye, and you told me to do that shit. And I was like, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard of, but I'm going to do it. And I think it was, I don't even remember what, probably Bella. Probably. Anyway. And I went, swoosh, swoosh, swoosh with Bella's tail. And I swear to God, that thing was gone. I'm telling you. I don't know when it was gone, but I just, like, remember, like, going, like, wait, my style's gone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, I will never forget that. And it's like... That has to be like this, you know, like Yes. Wait. That's just legit what yeah. you're talking about with the style though. <laughs> Cause I thought that was the dumbest shit that you told me. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. A cat's tail swish it across your eye. Like don't touch your eye, just like waving in front of it. Real close though. But like don't touch it. Cause ew. <laughs> Crazy. Soon the wells were transformed into spas. They had, like, little pavilions for drinking. And because of all the visitors, there was a hotel built called the Crazy Hotel. And it was built by this Dallas businessman named Carr P. Collins. And the locals were not happy because they were like, this Dallas man thinks he can come in here, take what we've done, and, like, make a profit out off of it. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. So they conceived this idea They were like, we're going to build a bigger, better hotel. And like, we just have to, you know, make him lose money. So he like goes away, whatever. And so again, like, it's like, that was seven stories. Okay, we'll make ours 14. That was 200 rooms. We'll make it 400 rooms. You know, everything. Like, they're just putting their dicks out on the table, whatever. So they brought their concept to T.B. Baker And he was, like, this she-she hotel guy in Texas. And he was, like, hell yeah. Like, let's let's do it. Because this other random baker guy who had nothing to do with the town that was going to make money on it, he's certainly better than this random Dallas guy that is going to make money that had nothing to do with the town. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm pretty sure, like, the baker guy had, like, hotels in Dallas, too. Like, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But, like, the town people came together and raised... Like, $150,000. So they, like, funded the beginning of the hotel, and then he, like, did the rest of it. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So it was, like, started by them. Yeah. That kind of thing. But also, this goes to show you, in a small town, especially something that's, like, it's their thing. It's their, like, niche thing. Don't come in and try to steal something, because people will band together. Mm -hmm. Like, if he would have just been, like... Hey, I want to come build here, like out, but I want to blah 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 blah. And he came and proposed this to them. They would have been like, "Let do it," mm-hmm. and he would have been fine. But no, he did not. So there you go. Anyway, so the Baker Hotel was to be built exactly two times the size of the Crazy Hotel, like I said, and it had 450 guest rooms, had a tennis court, had some doctors' offices, like some clinics. It had, like, an entire floor with mineral baths and massage, like, parlor-type things. No happy endings guaranteed because we know, like, the private 
house down the street that became the Hill House that I talked about last week. Mm-hmm. That's where the happy endings happen. Mm-hmm. So this was just the nice massages. But it had like a beauty salon, had the drinking pavilions, and it had a huge Olympic-sized pool. And it was actually the first hotel in Texas to have a pool. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. It was built for $1.2 million in the 1880s. So it was, it's like, I can't remember what it would be like today. I mean, it, I don't even know. My conversion would be way off if I tried to do it. Okay, Carrie just looked it up. $30 million Yeah, is what it would be today. So. A lot. A, a lot. lot. So, yes, the hotel was banking on health scares to bring people in. But they also knew that they would make their money if they made their destination be the destination for men with fat wallets. And it worked, again, because we know the whole private house little thing. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go listen to last week's episode. Because, again, it's just, that was like the more seedy things happened at the house, like away from the hotel. The things that the wives couldn't see. During World War II, the Baker Hotel, like for three years, it was home to dependents of military personnel Then after the war, it kind of just dwindled. It was still attracting the guests, but it just wasn't the thing. Because those pesky developments of modern medicine and federal regulations. Mm. Yeah. You know, you can't say, drink this mineral water and you'll be cured. Damn the Food and Drug Administration. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in 1963, the Baker Hotel closed. But that only lasted two years because then the citizens of Mineral Wells, they banded together again. And in 1965, they reopened the Baker Hotel. But that only lasted eight years and closed again in 1973 for good. In its heyday, some celebs who stayed there were Will Rogers, Gene Harlow, Clark Gable, uh, Ronald Reagan, LBJ, the Three Stooges, Minnie Pearl, Judy Garland, and Helen Keller. But all of those guests checked out. But of course, there were some who did not. The most infamous ghost of this location is known as the Lady on the Seventh Floor or the Lady in White. Her name was Virginia Brown. And she's thought to be the mistress of the owner, T.B. Baker. So she had like the suite on the seventh floor. It was like a sweet, sweet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dude, that's a sweet, sweet. Was it a sweet life? <laughs> People say that she died by suicide because she was distraught from her affair. So she jumped to her death from the top of the building. Hmm. No one can verify like the year that this happened or the room that she stayed. You know, like everything's kind of like hearsay. But if she was his mistress, I'm sure he wouldn't have everything down like, okay, like that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's just kind of off the books. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, but he would probably have like, okay, this room's booked out to Mr. Baker. Yeah. Well, Virginia Brown is who it was booked out to. You know what I mean? Like, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, it was a suite on the southeast corner on the seventh floor. But still, some people say, like, uh, she wasn't distraught from the affair. Like, she could have been pushed. Like, you don't know. True. 
Because, I mean, she could have been having that sweet life, like you said. Well, there was a porter who worked during the 1950s and the 60s. That was, like, one of the first people who witnessed the ghost of Virginia. And uh, then there was a maid who found some drinking glasses with red lipstick on them. And, like, no one was using that room. So there shouldn't have been any drinkware there. Definitely not with lipstick. There have been some different EVPs that's been recorded and everything. And the people who have seen an apparition have seen a woman with red hair wearing a white dress. And again, on the seventh floor and some of the common areas of the hotel. She's also been seen looking out of a window on the seventh floor. And people said that they've smelled her lavender perfume if she's nearby. And she's me in the afterlife because she is quite flirtatious with (laughs) the men. So, you know, that would be me as a ghost. I'd be like touching all over people, be like whispering in their ear. You as a ghost, you as now. I mean, you know. And then there's this room called the Brazos room. I hope my Texans are proud of me for not saying Brazos anymore. Mm -hmm. I learned my lesson, okay? Well, this was like the main dining, kind of like dance hall place. And one time there was a tour of a group of uh, World War II vets and their spouses. Well, when they entered that room, there was this couple who just like stopped. And the woman was like, do you hear that? And the man was like, yeah, I do. Well, what they heard were like dishes moving, like people like you know, like, clinking their glasses, like, just a party atmosphere. But, like, no one's there. No one else is there. No no parties. It was a tour for them. Like, this is where people stayed during World War II. Like, you're blah, blah, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, do you remember this? You know, that kind of shit. Not a party atmosphere. But they would hear people talking, orchestra music, all of that. Also in the Brazos room... Bonnie and Clyde, because they are rumored to have stayed here at, like, one little point, like, one small point on their little crown spree. Okay. They're said to haunt this room. Well, why would they haunt that, though? Just because they were, like, they stayed there, you know, just one time on their spree. That's weird. Who? I don't know. Maybe they really liked it. I mean, it was very sweet. (laughs) When people are doing, like, ghost hunts in that room... Their cameras and other equipment will turn off during the investigation. They've had orbs and they've had the like smell of chocolate when they're in the room. And again, like lights go on and off by themselves. Also, I believe this is the room, but when it was like in its heyday, it had rose colored mirrors. And like the women loved it because they were seeing themselves in their best light and mm-hmm. everything. I'm like, These people fucking geniuses. Yeah. Like, geniuses. And can I get some of that? Another entity is the bellhop. He was a 15-year-old boy named Douglas Moore. He was like a passenger elevator operator. Well, on January 16th, 1948, Douglas arrived early for work. And he was like going down just to catch up with some of his friends who... They worked, like, down in the maintenance area. 
Well, they're all goofing off, you know, whatever. And so Douglas was like, you know what? Like, watch this. So he started to play with the service elevator that was at the base of the stairs. And so he would jump in and out of it when it was in motion. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. And so this was before safety features were involved. So there was nothing to keep the door from closing entirely. Oh, my God. Yeah, if someone was there, you know. So you couldn't do the whole, like, leg out to, like, keep it open for someone. Like, oh, yeah, hold on. No, 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 no. Be like, uh, see you later. Well, one of his friends noticed that Douglas hadn't jumped quite far enough to get his body completely inside of the elevator in one attempt. And so he pulled Douglas's legs to try to get him out. But he wasn't fast enough. And Douglas was caught between the doors and the floor <gasps> oh my of the rising elevator. Mm-hmm. And it crushed him at the abdomen. Mm. Uh huh. So, and then think about this. It was half an hour before they could dislodge him and get him to the hospital where he succumbed to his injuries. Oh, God. So he was alive the whole time. Yes. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he was literally chopped in half, and the apparition that these people see is the only top half of his body. And, like, that is fact-checked, everything. Like, that really did happen. Visitors say that, like, if you call out his name, like, you usually feel, like, the temperature change around you, like, just around you, kind of like a cold, like, push of air right around you. But also, they're like, you know what? He's still a fucking kid. He died when he was 15. So um, don't be Zach Bagans and, like, be mean to him and taunt him. Because you never know. Like, if he's, like, doing that cold air push, like, he might push you and uh, you join him and be his lifelong friend. Mm-mm. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. Well, on the 12th floor, they had this ballroom called the Cloud Ballroom. And it was, like, legendary. What did they say on How I Met Your Mother? Legend. Wait for it. Dairy. Yes. That's what they had. These parties were epic. And at one of the parties... There's this one intoxicated lady. So what she said, she was like, all right, to her boyfriend, guy she was talking to, who knows. She was like, okay, let's go down to the pool. Like, I'll meet you down there. So the guy's like, all right, see ya. Like, I don't know. She might have said, like, I need to go get my swimsuit on. Who knows? I don't fucking know. Well, he goes, like, that's him walking to elevator or down the stairs. I don't know. I would use the elevator. But we all know that. This lady's like, hmm, I'm going to take a different route. And so she tried to jump from the ballroom balcony into the pool. Oh, no. But she did not make it. (gasps) Oh, no. No. No, no, no. So they say that you can see her ghost, like, on the balcony, kind of, like, pacing back and forth. Like, not harmful, nothing malicious or anything like that. It's more just sad. There was a murder in the pantry of the kitchen. There was a married cook who got in a huge fight with his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Married cook got in a fight with his girlfriend. And she was a maid at the hotel. So she threatened to tell his wife about their whole thing. So he was like, oh, no, the fuck you're not. And he snapped, stabbed her to death in the pantry. 
Oh my God. Well, women who have went into the pantry or that area have felt very uneasy and they heard like a female voice, disembodied female voice that has told them to leave. And it's kind of like, oh, I bet that's her warning us, you know, trying to help someone thinking that he's still there. Damn. There's also a spirit of a six-year-old little boy who plays in the hallways. Oh. Yeah, and he's accompanied by a large, shaggy dog. Oh, God. Right? And I don't think a lot of people see, like, a dog, but there is a psychic who saw a dog. So I don't know if, like, there's a ghost dog, but she saw him with a companion of a dog. That medium, she said that he communicated with her and that he passed away in 1933 when his parents had, like, brought him there for treatment for his leukemia. Oh, God. Which obviously did not work. And he tries to communicate with visitors by bouncing his rubber ball. And I just thought, like, God, that's so sad and so sweet and so innocent. But why is he still there? I mean, he died there. I know, but, like, why is he still there? I just don't understand. I mean, like, not that you have an answer oh, for yeah, that. Oh, yeah, I have like, no idea. Yeah, I mean, like. Who does, you know? Yeah, I have no idea. There were some women who worked at a local, like, drive through bank in the 90s, and some of their stations faced the Baker Hotel. Well, when it was slow, they would, you know, just kind of look at it, because, I mean, it's a huge, huge hotel, and in the 90s, it's dilapidated, you know, because it's just abandoned. And they started noticing that some of the windows would be opened. And then they would notice, okay, those windows are now closed and other windows are open. So then they started to take note. Okay, these are open. Those are closed. You know, like, and they started, you know, just writing it down. And, like, the patterns would change all the time. Well, one of them was like, it must be the caretaker. Like, that's it. You know, just, like, letting rooms air out, blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, there was never a caretaker. So, who was opening and closing the windows? Right. One of the managers at a time was Ronnie Walker. And he managed tours on the weekends for, you know, people to do ghost hunts and everything. Well, one of his stories is that one night he was near the main lobby on the first floor. And he heard a woman in high heels. So, he thought it was his, I think, assistant manager, Jane, Uh, So he, like, yelled out her name, but the footsteps just kind of faded away. And so he's like, well, shit, like, I'm all alone. Like, what the fuck? Well, later, he discovered that Jane hadn't been there all fucking day. So there were no, like, reasons for High Heels to be there. Right. So they believe that was Virginia, the mistress, her apparition. On another occasion... Ronnie was on the seventh floor, and he was resetting an electrical breaker to some Christmas lights. And they would trip every night during their display. So as he was inspecting the fuse box, doing all the shit, he heard, again, some footsteps. So he's like, you know, he looks around, can't see anyone, you know, whatever. So he's like, you know what, I'm just going to talk out loud And he was like, I'm not here to harm you. I'm not here to do anything. I just want these lights on. I'm here to fix the lights. That is it. And 
After that night, the lights were fixed and never turned off again. What? Yeah. So, of course, Dibbick Douche Zach and his boy band have been here. Mm-hmm. Season seven. Nick, he is interviewing Mark, the guy who's, like, going to be renovating it. And they both hear, like, a door click to open. And right after that, the door behind Mark, who's being interviewed, opens on its own. And right then they get, like, both a rush of cold air around them. So shortly after that, Dibbick Douche is up there and he's like, whoa, let's do an EVP session then. Well, they catch a woman and it sounds like she says water, drink the water. And I swear to God, it almost sounds like how I say my mom always Yes, I was just about to go, water. It really sounds like that. And I was like, mama? (laughs) Legit, I was just about to do it and then you started saying (laughs) Some more EVPs was a woman saying, lost my kid. And that legit also really sounds like that's what it said. There was a younger voice that said, mama. And then uh, it sounded like a child screaming. And then like at that same time, Aaron was using the ovulus and it came up like story, mommy and play. Like at the same time, he heard like a child screaming. And it would not be an episode of Ghost Adventures if Zach did not get like overcome with aggression. I'm like, if you need anger management, like don't blame it on the entities, okay? But he like lunged at Nick one time, but it was like right as a dark shadow was like passing by. But I couldn't really see it on my computer screen. But also my computer screen's not like, you know, like super high def or anything. But I was like, I don't see it. I just see Zach being an asshole. So there's that. But one thing I will say, when they were outside, Zach and Aaron found this little puppy that was, I say puppy, it was like five months old or so. It was out in front of the hotel. And this was during setup. And so Zach like gets it to drink water and like you can see its bones and stuff. And I guess Zach does a lot of stuff with animal rescue and things like that, or like the ASPCA and stuff, no-kill shelters. And so he called them, and we're just like, what do I need to do to get this dog to y'all? And so uh, he sent Billy, the audiovisual tech guy, to the vet with this dog, had the dog checked out. No one had been looking for it. No one had been, you know, no chip, nothing. Yeah. But it was getting like a flea bath. You know, because, like, Billy came back, and they were talking, and Zach was like, okay, awesome. Well, like, it'll be with us till Friday, and then I can get it to the ASPCA shelter, you know, where it's no kill, blah, blah, blah. And Billy was like, I have a better idea. I'm going to adopt it. And it was just, like, a sweet moment. Oh, yes. Yeah. Another sweet moment, not in Ghost Adventures, we're finished with that, but... There's like a $65 million renovation going on for the Baker Hotel, and it's hoping to be restored by the end of 2022. And so I don't know how that went with 2020, like delays and all of that. I don't know. But we're going when it opens up. Okay. Because one, it's going to be luxurious. And two, we need to be in that lithium water because... uh, Well, it helps with, you know... All of our things. I mean, we need to be delirious. And also, it might heal my damn skin. 
True. But also the crazy water, it's still being made. Because, I mean, it's it's actually from the wells of mineral wells. Like, it's, yeah. But there's levels of it. And so on Ghost Adventures, Zach drinks some of it and it goes from, like, crazy water one to crazy water four. And crazy water one is just, like, it tastes like water. It's, like, maybe has, like, I don't know, 13 minerals in it. I don't fucking know. But then it goes up to four that has, like, 1,200 or something. Like, yeah. something crazy minerals in it. Zach is kind of fucking loopy at the end of it. And I don't know if it's just him being, him. like, goofy. Yeah. Or not. And so they're, like, all kind of being fucking loopy at the end. They're, like... Drink it. You have to drink it. Like, it's... I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? Like, did they get high off of it? I I don't know. And I'm like, man, lithium, dude. Lithium. That's so funny. I think it's sold at a grocery store in in Texas, too. I I don't know. I don't know. But, like, yeah, you can taste it at that place and stuff. But, like, I want to know what it tastes like. Because one, he said, was kind of nutty. Like, not the one. One tasted like water. Like, two was, like... Okay, something's weird, but whatever. Three was, like, nutty. And four, I think he said, was just like, yep, you can taste minerals. You can taste, you know. Mm. But, like, hey. I mean, I would drink it for, uh, you know. it. Well, and what she said is, like, a lot of people will drink, like, just eight ounces of it. You know, and, like, hell, you can just go, 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 go. Yeah. And follow that up with something else. Honestly, I wonder if you could just do that and put some Mio or sugar light, sugar light, crystal light or something in it. Just pinch your fucking nose and swallow it. I'm just wondering, like. No, that, I feel like that would counteract it. Maybe it would. But, I mean, I don't know if it helps really, but minerals are good for you, right? Maybe not having, like, consuming 4,000 a day, but, you know. Well, it depends on what they are, if you can have too much or not enough. Yeah, you know? I don't know. I need to look more into it because seriously, I, your girl needs some help. Man, I'm so ready for the world to open back up so we can go places. Right. But then also, the introvert in me is like so excited that we can't go places. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, like, the penny pincher in me that I can spend more money on me and not have to worry about traveling. But like, legit, part of me is such an introvert. I'm like, yes. Like, that I is love so funny. not having to go anywhere. That is so funny. <laughs> but then again, part of me is like, I want to go there. I want to go there. I want to go there. Yeah. Well, my shit is like, I'm just a crabby old person where I'm like, ugh, the room's probably going to be too hot. Ugh, the bed's going to be lumpy. Ugh, it's not going to be right. You know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of shit that I'm like, ugh. Ugh, do they not have a waffle maker on their continental breakfast? Ugh, is there not a ceiling fan in this? Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a ceiling fan in you a hotel. Ceiling- <laughs> <laughs> can't even get it out. I'm just kidding. I've only had it at like two places. Okay. I was like, I don't think we've ever together because I would have been mm-hmm. like, what? This is not somewhere that I would want to ghost hunt because uh, 14 floors, uh, no thank you. No. Uh-uh. I'd be like, yeah, we're ghost hunting uh, the first floor. First three tops. Yeah, tops. If it's the winter, maybe the top five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the bottom five. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, do you have a crane that you could put us up? <laughs> okay, never mind. We can do them. <laughs> like, picture, picture Beetlejuice when they're, like, lifting up her artwork yeah. to get into the house. Yeah. Like, if you can do that to us to get us to the upper <laughs> floors, we'll go up there. 
me as a ghost hunter in the summer, I'm going to have one of those like fan things. They're going to be like, uh, you can't do that. You're messing up the EVP. Like, I will be like, look, these ghosts fucking understand. They're hot too. Right? They have swamp ass too. <laughs> oh, God. That concludes my time in Texas. <laughs> Texas. Well, if y'all have anywhere else that you want me to cover so we can make Carrie and me go whenever uh, COVID, you know, lifts up. The world opens back yeah. up. Yeah. And I have to be forced to be non-recluse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yay, but fuck that time, too. Mm-hmm. Fuck the shit. <laughs> That's what you're going to be saying while you're packing your mm-hmm. bag. Then we get there and she's going to be like, ah, I love hotels. I love hotels. And then I'm like, fuck, I got to leave the hotel? Uh-huh. Fuck this shit. Exactly. That literally Wait, is Wait, I'm going to get the breakfast? Okay, cool, cool, yeah. cool, 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 cool. <laughs> Wait, we got to leave the hotel for it? Man, fuck this shit. <laughs> oh, God. That's what you might haunt. If you, like, had to haunt something, a fucking hotel. She, she, This girl loves a hotel. I really do love a hotel. And do people watch? Look, y'all, I got to go to a course in Pensacola for two weekends in a row this month. And I'm like, I get to stay in a hotel two whole weekends. She's so excited. Yes. I'm so excited. I love a fucking hotel. <laughs> but also, I just panicked a little bit because it's COVID. Like, what's it going to be like? I haven't traveled. Yeah. Well, be careful. Don't go to Alaska or Hawaii like your people did. Allegedly. Allegedly. Thank you all for listening. If, like Donna said, if you have any more story suggestions, send them our way. Keep your sinister sightings coming in. Like, review. I thought you were going to say keep your sinister sightings to yourself. I was like, no. No, keep them coming in. Aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. Keep liking, reviewing, all the things. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.